Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmos Spaces, the XLR AMA, hosted by Lil Gaines. Let's take a listen. All right. Everybody ready to go? Let's do it. All right. I think it's been, what, like since April that we had uh, Sergey on. So it's been a while, Sergey. How have you been? Everything okay? We're doing good. How are you? Uh, yeah, been good. Been good. Did you end up going to um, Cosmoverse? I did not. No, we were um, doing other things. How about you, Jake? Uh, yes, I was there. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, you were? Awesome. That's awesome. Did you go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went. We had a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Never been to Medellin. That was our first time. And wow, what a, what an experience. So beautiful. I, I, so are you beautiful. still there? Partying out? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not still there. Heck no. <laughs> uh, I actually I actually did find out that some people did end up staying there uh, like <laughs> for a few few extra days uh, to, you know, get some more work done and do some business development stuff. Lots to do over there. Lots to do. But yes, how about we um, just start by introducing um, yourselves. So, Sergey, you can go first, and then we'll go with Jake. Uh, Sergey, co-founder of Axelar. Pretty excited to be here. Hey, guys. I'm Jake. Uh, I am on the biz dev team here. Um, I work with uh, most of our Cosmos projects and um, our Polkadot ecosystem, and then some of the like smaller projects going through our, our grants and accelerator program over here. Welcome, Jake. Welcome, Sergey. So just want to highlight a few things um, that are uh, pretty big milestones. So XLR is the second largest IBC um, transaction volume. Uh, there's over $204 million uh, transferred over uh, 30 days in the past 30 days. Um, and over 7,200 act- average users. And over $127 million in total volume. So congratulations, guys. A lot of a lot of things have uh, been happening since we last hosted a space for Axlar. So pretty, pretty excited to uh, host a space for you guys. And so just um, if you guys could just give the audience like a um, overview on a high level of what Axlar is and what it does, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, with Axler, we're delivering secure cross-chain communication, right? So on a high level, it's a, it's a network. And the job of this network is to connect different ecosystems. And, uh, you know, right now we're connecting um, a lot of Cosmos chains, a lot of EVM chains through the stack um, and uh, kind of helping applications and users 
talk to one another in a seamless way. Um, so we support everything from asset transfer to, to message passing through through the network and really working towards building a kind of chain agnostic future. Sergey, so, okay, how long have you guys been working on Axlar? Uh, we started about uh, two years ago. So yeah, just uh, just about that. And uh, <clears throat> before that, what were you up to, Sergey? Um, so we were working, myself and my co-founder, Jorgos, were working on the Algorand protocol and kind of helped to design that and, uh, you know, take that to the, to the market. And, um, prior to that, spent a bit of time as a faculty at University of Waterloo and, uh, you know, before that, that was doing PhD in cryptography at MIT. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Jake? Uh, before I got to... Uh, Axlar, I, I worked at Salesforce for about five years, um, doing BD into financial services over there. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so I do have a set of questions, so I go. I hope you guys are prepared. Um, my first question is, um, what is it about Axlar's cross-chain gateway protocol that differentiates it uh, versus other protocols? Yeah, I mean, on a high level, you have essentially like two buckets of protocols, right? You have protocols like IBC, um, you know, which rely on like client verifications. Um, and, uh, you know, those protocols we've seen um, kind of taken uh, quite a lot of heavy engineering resources to integrate to other ecosystems, right? So we haven't really seen any of them being shipped yet. Um, but, um, you know, I think it, it can continue uh, evolving. Um, and all the other protocols that we've seen in the market, they're pretty much been kind of centralized multi-sigs. Right, so you have either you know two out of three, three out of three, um, you know, multi-sig that connects uh, one blockchain to another, and uh, as a result, uh, you know, leads to a lot of compromise and security issues. Right, we've seen the year with lots of attacks in the space, lots of vulnerabilities. You know, it is a pretty hard problem, but but you do have to start with the right design. So I think that's you know one thing, and. Um, yeah, the se the second point is that um, the Axel network itself it is a blockchain, right? And so it has various kind of intelligence transport layer functionalities at its core, right? So it it understands how to do things like many to many routing, right? So it's not just a pairwise protocol how to connect A to B, but it's really kind of a many to many communication network, right? And um, you also have other ability to program the network to do interesting things like we're doing right now with the you know deposit address and a lot of other things. Um, that we're working through. So, so yeah, it is in some sense kind of a, a transport layer blockchain infrastructure, right? Um, and not just the protocol, you know, and we'll continue investing kind of in the protocol development to do individual connections as needed. Awesome. So, yeah, Sergey, a little bit about me. I'm not the uh, most technical, like savvy person. So I love that explanation that you gave me. Um, basically, what you're trying to like say is like, you know, Axlar isn't a multi-sig uh, bridge, right? To transfer assets. It all the everything that is done, the validators handle it, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's a it's a permissionless decentralized protocol yes. run by the validators. Anybody can join, anybody can participate, anybody can help secure it. How many how many validators do you guys got right now on your chain? I think we have fifty right now. We're actually kind of actively um we'll be updating the parameters to keep on increasing it now that the network is live and the token is live. Um, does speed, does speed really matter, um, with Axlar? And if it does, what is the speed for the, the chain right now? The 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, speed matters, right? The, the, the core consensus is based on Tendermint. So I think we, we're kind of pretty covered there and, you know, it's been pretty fast. Um, most of the latency for cross-chain usually comes as a function of, you know, source chain latency and destination chain latency. And, the, you know, so when we're moving stuff from Ethereum, we have to account for that. Um, so, you know, the latency on the actual network itself uh, so far has been pretty minimal compared to to those. But we also have, you know, pretty exciting features I think we're working through to help accelerate the latency right across chain. Things like, uh, you know, for callable interface. I don't know, Jake, if you want to maybe talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, like, anybody that's probably used satellite um, can, like, when you're when you're coming from over from Ethereum, you can, you know, it usually takes somewhere between, like, 8 and 15 minutes, right? Um, so, with the for callable feature, uh, a market maker, we might actually make this pool ourselves, but is essentially able to listen for one or two validations that happens on the Ethereum blockchain take that uh, payload and like, for example, if we are moving funds into osmosis from Ethereum, um, we're able to see how many fund, like what the dollar amount is in funds that's supposed to be deposited into Ethereum. Uh, the market maker will then deposit that into Ethereum on you know, a much more instantaneous rate. Uh, so it will take you know, a couple seconds to a minute to get that done and have that transaction actually show your funds in osmosis. And then uh, they're able to essentially like finalize that transaction on, on the back end. So it just helps uh, significantly from a, a UI and a speed perspective. How many chains uh, right now are connected with Axler? <clears throat> and which one, which one do you guys see that has the most transactions? Yeah, um, I think right now twenty four live on the on the main net, right, and a bunch of more are coming in the coming months. Um, most of the traffic, I would say, between Cosmos and Ethereum clusters, right. So Osmosis generates definitely a lot of in and out volume um, from Ethereum. Um, I think and, and Polygon being pretty popular as well, where people use Axler then as an as an on and off ramp uh, to to Osmosis. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, last time we hosted a space for you guys, um, you didn't launch the token. The token was not live. So how about you guys talk about the token and how it works and how it plays its part in the Axler blockchain? Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a great question. So, you know, at the very basics of it, right, the Axler token is a kind of utility token that can be used to uh, secure the network, right? So users can stake to the validators that run this decentralized protocol. Um, you know, and validators earn kind of, um, you know, rewards for that that are distributed back to the token holders that are providing the security services. Um, also used for other functions as in other like layer one blockchains like governance and paying transaction fees. Um, and I think the most interesting part about the actual token is that everybody that actually has gone through the, uh, through the satellite or any of the front ends that are, um, you know, powered uh, by the network implicitly on the back end is kind of interacting with the actual token, but they've never seen it or never touched it, right? And what I mean by this is that if you go into, go from one chain to another, um, there's usually gas that you pay on the source chain, gas that you pay kind of on Axela for your message processing, and gas that you pay on the destination chain. But the way we architected our relayers and the uh, kind of service on top of the network is that as a user, you only pay gas once, right? Either in the asset that you transfer or in one transaction on the source chain. 
And we have services that convert that to pay for your execution on Axelor and on the destination chain, right? So, but you never have to touch, you know, the Axelor token or the destination chain. And so these services on the back end always kind of uh, performing the, the function of, you know, converting one um, one gas token to another gas token to, to pay for this transaction execution. And that includes Axelor and destination chain. So I think that's actually, you know, quite interesting because uh, we have over 200,000, I think, um, users that have gone through the satellite front end, um, but probably none of them actually saw that they're they're using the network under it, but but it's been used and kind of the gas been paid for every single transaction. Gotcha. So if I understand it correctly, you can use just one asset to pay for a, for the gas fee, correct? So I could just use Axelar token if I want to uh, bridge over Ethereum to um, a different chain, correct? Exactly. Yeah. You pay in the one asset on the source chain from which you send your message and that asset will be used to convert, will be converted and paid for execution on the destination chains on Axel. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's actually beautiful. And I did, I did do a little bit of research on the uh, token flow, but um, can you, can you just elaborate again on like how, it, how is it, how token, the token is a deflationary asset? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, by default, right. Uh, the, the network itself is, uh, you know, uh, emitting rewards, right? The rewards are, you know, inflationary. Um, but from there, if there are gas mechanisms that are not used to pay for the execution on destination chain or on Axler, you know, those gas fees um, may at some point be be used to kind of, a, you know, buy back and, and burn the, the Axler token. But, um, you know, uh, for now, um, it is inflationary, right? Uh, as, a, as the network and uh, the gas is only used to pay like for the, um for the transaction relay and costs only gotcha thank you thank you sergey um what about dApps? are people building on the axler blockchain yeah so that, that's a great question um they're not building uh uh because you know our mission from day one has been to empower developers to build anywhere in the world right um any stack that they choose to and axler will give them global composability and global kind of distribution channel, right? To connect them to all the other applications or all the other users on other chains. So that, ha that has always been this, um, you know, position that, that we took. Um, you know, that being said, because it is a blockchain actually itself, you can actually put very interesting kind of interoperability services on top of the, on top of the chain, right? And now they're deployed at the consensus layer. And I think we may um, actually up the layer to the smart contract uh, in, the coming, um, in the coming months. But uh, those are kind of a specific, what I call, you know, interoperability protocols or services that you would put on Axler to make your application even more efficient, right? Things like deposit addresses. So that's where the, the power of programmability of this interoperability layer really, really comes in and kind of separates it from other, you know, protocols, right? Or pairwise kind of solutions where you don't, you, you don't really have this programmability logic that you can play with. Um, but our goal and our mission, you know, from day one has been to unlock the developers to build anywhere they want, right? And we'll give them the infrastructures to still be connected to everyone else. And I can, I can like kind of unpack that even a little bit more when, um, you know, like six months ago when people were talking about building multi-chain applications, they're essentially taking all of their application, uh, application logic and deploying it on, on multiple different chains. Um, but really when you take that model, it's, it's just not a scalable approach because yes, you get access to 
you know, the ecosystem and the, the total addressable market of that blockchain. Uh, but you still have these siloed instances uh, that cannot communicate to each other. You have to update them. Um, there's like various problems that you run into with that approach and you, and you end up like managing a bunch of different applications. Um, so essentially what Axlar allows you to do, you don't actually build on the blockchain. You're just plugging into the network with gateway contracts and API calls. But Axlar enables you to build on the blockchain that makes the most sense for your use case, plug into our infrastructure, and then we allow you to um, send messages to, to and from any of, the, any of the other chains in our network. Um, so it's just a much more scalable approach. You essentially like let us keep adding chains to the network. As an application developer, you're able to focus more on you know, building out more robust features and functionality into your DAP. Um, and then as we add, add more chains to the network, you, you automatically get access to you know, even a, a, a larger market. Um, I think a good kind of application example that we can see within Cosmos with a similar model is like how Stride is doing it, where they're actually sending functions to execute transactions on various chains to do liquid staking rather than um, having them have to you know, deploy their app on, on each chain that they want to do that on. So we'll be able to plug into them and then allow them to do that outside of the Cosmos ecosystem as well to all the stakeable assets um, and then have it all in, in one place and one interface. What, um, what wallets are supported right now? <clears throat> on the Axel chain itself, uh, you can use Kepler, you, know, you can use Cosmos Station, and um, we actually have a Ledger app that, that, you can, uh, that you can work with as well or you know, use the kind of Cosmos Ledger app as well, both are compatible. Cool, cool. And there's also like, um, I see that there's also like um, wallets that are using the Axler Bridge, like Leap Wallet, um, Frontier, and BitKeep. Never heard of BitKeep, but so that's that's pretty cool to see. Leap Wallet is cool. Yeah, yeah think, do you, you want to comment on those? I think those are have like a slightly different, I guess, use case. Yeah, so um, there's a couple different use cases with wallets. Um, one that we've seen have a lot of success is uh, leveraging Squid, which is the application that is built to do cross-chain swaps on top of Axlar. So most of these wallets want to have cross-chain swap functionality embedded right into their wallet so that you know it's a really important feature for, for their users. So we allow cross-chain swaps built on top of Squid and, and are able to embed that right into the wallet. Um, another thing is you can embed our SDK to generate that deposit address right from within the wallet. Um, so, for example, you're able to, you know, in one click deposit AXL USDC into your, um, I mean, we're still working on this. I don't think it's, it's live anywhere. Um, but we can enable that kind of like one click deposit of AXL USDC right into a Kepler wallet, similar to how you can kind of do it in Osmosis today. That's a great example of the um, type of dApps that people are building using Axlar. That's awesome. And I also see that Cato, Cato's um, building. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those guys are a fiat to crypto on-ramp, kind of similar to Noba. Uh, essentially, what we've been seeing in that space is that most for like regulatory reasons, you can um, go fiat to USDC. And then once... Once that transaction happens, we pick it up, bridge it over into AXL USDC or build on top of Squid and you can go fiat to any crypto. Um, so that is 
pretty interesting for you know onboarding onto really any DAP or or any game. Um, and you can just onboard into the most liquid asset within that application or you know any other asset that might be necessary. What about um, future use cases for the Axler token? Have you guys um, explored that much, or is it just going to be, you know, used for the the current the current use cases now? I mean, you know, being the Axler as a blockchain, right? Like you, you always have interest in use cases. You can, um, you know, you can explore around its functionality and utility, right, and um, and governance. So, you know, everything from kind of liquid staking and things like that. Um, I think, you know, in the, in the short term, um, we just kind of continue focusing on building the ecosystem, right? The number of integrations, kind of functionality on the network and things like that. And I think, um, you know, kind of from there, other utilities naturally emerge, right? Um, of the token, whether or not it's for, um, if you have like a liquid staking token, right? You can do interesting things around it or build other types of, you know, incentive mechanisms for validators to, um, you know, participate and, and perform these uh, kind of cross-chain activities. So we'll have to kind of wait and see on that. Because one thing that just came up to my head, like popped in my head was like, why doesn't Axler just build their own decks, right? Like a, like a osmosis type of decks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess... You know, frankly, when we were starting the project, that was the motivation, right? Like having a really cross-chain DEX period, right? Where you can go and simply access. The the challenge though, I think what we discovered, right? As we're thinking about it, is that there's a lot of infrastructure pieces that are missing um, to enable that. And, um, you know, while you, you can build a DEX and you can build the infrastructure, I think very few teams, um, you know, can, uh, can actually have the expertise to do that. That's one. But two, we can build one dex, but at the same time, you know, we can support ten different dexes, right? <laughs> with the with the right infrastructure. And I think, um, given that this infrastructure piece is something we keep on seeing come up over and over again, that different developers want the distribution potential, right? And the and the impact for the whole industry, I think, is 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 much greater so i think our expertise and kind of the team has been built you know around the infrastructure layer and i and i think um it is the layer as you see has been the hardest to get so far right led to a lot of attacks in the space a lot of you know issues um so i think we need to be uh, you know focused and, and kind of dedicated to making that as bulletproof as possible One thing I do see um, that Axler is pushing hard for right now is uh, attracting developers. So could you guys um, go into talking about the grant program? Sure, I can take that. Um, so we are running a grants and accelerator program with Longhash Ventures right now. Um, so, and we're, we're looking for application builders um, to essentially build applications that have general message passing baked into their application design. Um, so similar to how I mentioned before, like having most of your core application logic on one chain and, and sending messages around to do you know, various things. Like we had an AMA with Umi the other day who's going to be using general message passing to essentially lock assets on other chains in our gateway contracts and then take loans out on, on UMI, right? So that's like one interesting um, 
application where you're kind of sending the uh, compute to the asset rather than like bringing the asset to the compute, um, which is like another kind of paradigm shift that that Axelar has been enabling. Um, but so 10, 10 projects in this program, I think we have about like 130 or 40, 130 or 40 applications so far. Um, 10 will be getting a $100,000 investment from Longhash. Uh, and then we're also running a grants program on the side of that. We'll, we'll be giving out you know, 20 or so grants um, to probably earlier stage projects that just need help bootstrapping and, and getting off the ground. Um, and then they'll also get access to a lot of the accelerator resources and, and learning sessions that we'll be doing, um, essentially just, you know, trying to keep builders top of mind for us. And in, in case anybody doesn't, you know, want or need an investment for whatever reason, um, we still wanted to offer support for them through, through the grants program. So everybody should apply. Wow, dude, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of, uh, projects. I want to. I want to uh, get grants. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, there's, there's, uh, in this kind of day and age, I guess, like what this technology enables you to do is kind of like if you're doing a, um, you know, you can aggregate yields across all of the different chains, um, and essentially like bring the best rates to your users. So. I think it's enabling people to build these one-stop shop applications that really have um, a lot of potential to take down some of the bigger players in the market because, uh, you know, you can have somebody kind of on the back end or programmatically going and finding like the best yields and all of the best pools, but then aggregating all of that and um, kind of putting it on a platter for, for your users. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting, right? You don't have to go shopping around for, for the best rates on each blockchain. You can just deliver them all in one place. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. So yes, you guys heard that, right? If you're building, uh, apply for a grant. They're out there. Definitely out there. Um, are, you, are you allowed to talk about the, the different projects that apply for grants or is that not, not, cool, not good or not cool to talk about? Um, I, I think it's totally fine. I mean, some of the we haven't like gone through all of the applications right now that's that's mostly long hash um so to be honest i can't i can't even go like super in depth um we do have some interesting like gaming use cases uh cross-chain wallets like cross-chain nft renting and, and borrowing um there's a there's a big a very large spectrum <laughs> of uh of the projects that we see coming into the grants program. Ooh, perfect timing, Jake. Let's talk about NFTs. What is Axlar doing for NFTs? Uh, so essentially when we have general, like general message passing enables you to send not only tokens, but really any payload. So any arbitrary contract call inclusive of NFTs. Um, so like we just did a cross chain NFT mint with MintDAO. Um, that was actually built on top of Axlar. Uh, there's a whole host of of NF of cross-chain NFT use cases. Um, I don't know, Sergey. It's like it's pretty much the same things that you can do with tokens, right? You're just kind of swapping out the asset class. Seems like to me, but you can probably go in more detail. I mean, yeah, you you know, you can you can move them around. Of course, they become portable and flexible, right? I think what I'm what I'm pretty excited to see are early examples of applications that are 
you know, leveraging USD, uh, you know, NFTs um, in other stacks, right? So in the gaming stacks, I think we're seeing some use cases. Um, you know, I think we're seeing use cases for composing of DeFi, right? And NFTs where you can, you know, take a loan against your NFT, right? And in, in, in a stable currency, for instance, things like that. So, so, so now that we have gone through, I would say like a minted phase over the last year of NFTs, you know, I think the next couple of years are definitely going to be um, sort of exciting actual use cases that that make use of them, not just uh, not just for the collection purposes. Cool. Thanks, guys. One one thing that I always was just really curious about is like, how would a NFT collection that launched um, on the Ethereum network, um, you know, how would they collect royalties if they are on a different blockchain on a different marketplace? Something like that is just like super confusing to me. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys could explain how that would work out or if it's not going to even work out collecting royalties on other chains. I mean, it would have to be protocol specific, right? Um, you know, but as a, as a protocol, you can certainly architect your application to send royalties to all of your NFT holders, right? On, you know, all the different chains. Um, but yeah, that that that's what we say when when we say like the chain agnostic wave of applications that are built using empowering and powered by these functionalities. Um, you know, they're going to have to architect themselves for this uh, kind of cross chain future. Um, which is where exactly all of these kind of grants and other activities that we're doing aimed on, right? Is helping developers think through this, helping them with architecture, thinking about, you know, what are the distribution and kind of go to market, um, you know, strategies you can have um, to, to precisely do these types of, you know, cross-chain activities. Thank you, Sergey. All right. Um, I am going to start taking questions. Um, so if you guys want to just drop them here on this um, little, like, uh, tweet button below. I will look through those questions and I'll um, ask them. But I already do have one in my DMs. So here it goes. What will Axelar USD look like once native USDC is in the cosmos? Will Axelar convert to stable coins and will they still support liquidity for their bridged USDC? Yeah, so great question. I think first one, we actually announced a partnership with, um, you know, Circle um, to help compose their USDC functionalities with actual general message passing and the rest of the infrastructure, right? So, so if you haven't kind of seen that, I think there's a, um, you know, kind of a demo on our YouTube that uh, demonstrates some of this, which is in, in, incredibly exciting, right? Um, so to, to us, I would say kind of token transfer has always been just one use case, right? Uh, supported by the actual network, um, you know, and uh, USDC being one of the assets that, um, that can be routed through the network. I think the more you know, exciting parts to us uh, are in general things like we're talking about, like how do you build a cross-chain agnostic application that can do you know more than just token transfers, right? Um, that can really compose with one another, do cross-chain contract call. You can still transfer liquidity, liquidity if and when needed, and you you know you can route it um, as you need to, but it becomes a building block, but not a function that users need to do. Right. I think one thing we'll keep on saying is that, you know, we sort of turned humans into manual routers to move assets around from one chain to another and really hoping not to see that in the future. Right. So as a user, you should be able to just go and interact with one asset with one click. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great. As, as USDC continues to roll out, right, we'll be we'll be integrating with them as well. 
um, to compose with the rest of the XLR stack, you know, with the rest of the general message passing infrastructure and um, to, to enable these types of uh, kind of cross-chain native, um, native integrations and experiences. Thanks. Thanks, Jane, for that question. Um, another question is, um, what are lessons learned from the hack? And I don't think this, uh, you know, is directed to Axler, but maybe uh, they mean like, what lessons has Axler learn, learned from other hacks? Well, a lot, right? I think, you know, security is a complicated problem. Um, we always say that. And, uh, you know, it really comes down to having the right design that you can start with. And I think we have the most secure and robust design, um, you know, in the space. And having the right engineering practices, right? Thinking about the, everything from code audits to bug bounties um, to response mechanisms in case of, um, you know, any types of problems with the network um, or its dependencies. And then thinking about what I call as application layer add-ons on top of it to um, enable even safer applications to interact and leverage this infrastructure. So as one example, Kind of actual asset transfer functionality has things like uh, you know rate limits built baked into them, right? So what that means is that only a certain amount of volume can go um, can go through the gateway contracts um, at a given time range, and uh, you know that's bounded by you know uh, slightly higher than the than the averages. Um, um, and so those are what I call application specific add-ons, right? And we can continue thinking about them and and, and improving them. Um, uh, across across the whole stack. Thanks. Another question: um, If my transaction fails to complete, what happens to the fees that I pay? Yeah. So great question. So uh, it depends where it failed, right? You know, if you if you failed on the source chain because you didn't pay enough gas fee or whatever reason is, then you know you don't. That's it. Like you, you know, you get your refund on the source chain. Um, outside of that, assuming the kind of destination chain and destination address are specified, you know, correctly and everything, um, then the, uh, the the only reason the transaction can not be executed is because you didn't cover enough of the gas fees, right, on it, or it's below below the minimum min, uh, limit. Um, you know, if it's if it's that, then you can always send more funds kind of to the same. Um, to the same address, and it will be processed by the relayers, but it's never stuck actually at the network layer. Um, so I think the important property of the Axel network, which has been at the design from day one, is decoupling of relaying and execution, right? So execution is permissionless, and you have exactly the same guarantees as you get from any blockchain, right? So anybody can call, anybody can execute, and uh, anybody can pay the gas to execute, right? So what that means is that assuming you paid enough, then either, you know, um, Axler relayers or anyone else can go and execute. If they don't, then you can you can go and execute yourself. Um, there are certain cases where in a transaction, like if you specify like destination chain or destination address, um, then the deposits to those uh, kind of addresses with incorrect parameters um, sort of maybe lost, but that's primarily because right now kind of some of the contract functionalities are, you know, immutable, right? So um, in the same way as if you send the wrong token to, you know, to the wrong chain or the wrong, you know, address, then you cannot recover it. And uh, it's gonna, you get the same properties from the Excel network. But, um, you know, I think we're adding actually some interesting functionalities where 
you'll be able to to get a refund in case of um, even incorrectly specified parameters. Um, so I think that that should go live in the coming month as well. Thank you. I don't think I have any more questions, but if um, people want to request to speak and ask their question, you may do so now. Um, I basically covered a lot of my questions, Sergey and Jake. So if you guys want to, um, you know, talk about anything that I might have missed or, you know, go into the roadmap or what's ahead, I think that would be a cool, cool time. Yeah, no, I think we'll cover pretty much everything, right? I would say, you know, it's still incredibly early for interoperability space. So there is a lot to build. Um, if you are, you know, front end or smart contract developers, definitely a lot of exciting opportunities to think about what does this chain agnostic future look like? You know, if you're backend engineer uh, or protocol engineers, there is a lot of things you can do at the protocol layer, um, either on Axelot chain itself or helping amplify and make those interoperability protocols even simpler and more secure. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, this is how, where the industry is moving um, and uh, get involved, right? Apply through the grants, um, sign up and follow, you know, on Twitter or other handles. Um, our Twitter handle is Axelacore. Um, you can find links, you know, to Discord and other places from there. So yeah, let's continue building. Sergey, I think a cool question for you would be like, what does the space look like in three years? And also like architecturally, like what does Axelar look like in three years? I mean, yeah, I think in, in, in three years, I think we'll finally stop talking a little bit uh, so much about layer ones. And I, and I do think we'll have more emphasis on directly applications, users and assets, right? So, you know, our goal has always been allow the user to interact with any chain, any application, any asset with one click from their wallet. Right now, we're laying down these kind of piping infrastructure to to enable some of this stuff. And so we're seeing all these application buildouts uh, starting to happen. I think these obstructions are going to continue to improve. I think the infrastructure is going to continue to improve. And I think as a result, the unification of liquidity, right, and user experiences are going to continue to to improve. Um, you know, and, and for us at Axler, kind of the goal is to to be um, you know the transport layer uh, in all of this and help you connect applications and uh, ecosystems directly through, you know, secure cross-chain communication infrastructure. So you, as, um, you know, as, as they say, you probably use it, you'll probably never know about it. And th that's really the goal is that you, you don't, um, you don't need to know about uh, which change your application is deployed or, you know, what is the cross-chain protocol or infrastructure look like, but you can safely rely on it for security, availability, and robustness, right? And that's certainly our goal is to unify the infrastructure, make it as simple as possible, as secure as possible, and uh, deliver better experiences for the users. That was a great question, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> and again, uh, uh, thanks again for making the, the satellite bridge so easy to use. I mean, uh, you don't have to worry about, oh, is this the correct, you know, uh, chain address, or it's just so easy to use. So thanks again, guys. I think even like, yeah, more exciting things are actually like direct integrations that, uh, you know, projects are doing. Like I think Osmosis did a direct integration with our network through the SDK to enable deposits, right? So you can actually go and deposit like USDC to and from Osmosis with um, just generating everything on their front end, the deposit address. You can send funds there from, you know, centralized exchange, dump wallet or anything. And, um, you know, you don't have to go through like satellite front end. You don't have to touch any gas, any relaying issues. And like, you just see your funds appear in osmosis. So 
like that's actually the next level that uh, you know I'm super excited about is these direct integrations with the network. You know, satellite was always um, kind of a demo to show how to use the SDK, but as these direct integrations go live, you know, it'll be ten times simpler. Um, and uh, you know, we're going to continue working on those. Last call for any questions. Again, you guys can request to speak. If not, uh, we'll wrap it up here shortly. Going once, going twice. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for all those updates. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Sergey. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, XLR AMA, hosted by Lil Gaines. Recorded on Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back with the cliffs at our backs make the last stand matter no one ever planned for the famine on deck we was walking all erect with the dead man swagger sitting in a little den vision in the middle men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds view. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. In the middle men, listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Channel Spaces